Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott, physically distanced as always, but maybe not for as long as uh, we might have thought before. Scott, how you doing? Good, Sean. I just got poked in the arm by uh, the government, so I'm feeling great, uh, feeling good, really happy that there's some light here, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you you went in. You said it was only 20 minutes. Yeah, in and out pretty quick, uh, Ottawa City Hall, and nice. yeah, uh, no muss, no fuss. I was back home, yeah, just before, uh, just like 25 minutes after after I got the shot, so. It's pretty good. It's pretty good, and yeah, like I'm, I, I'm finding it's getting to me maybe more now than it has before being stuck inside and alone and like just not being able to do stuff right that it's it's been so long it's just (laughs) i mean it's okay for a while you know i i like staying inside probably more than everybody else right yeah but but just like not being able to have the choice to go do stuff and and uh see people and do things like that Uh, i'm i'm really excited for everybody to go get your shot so that we can open things up a little more over the summer, get out, you know, play some games of golf, uh, maybe go to a patio, have some beers. And uh, this is another step in that direction. It is. It it certainly is. And Scott, I live about three blocks away from city hall. I can't go there for my shot. I have to drive out to Nepean, but I'm happy to do that. So uh, congratulations. It's an exciting day here on a holiday Monday as, uh, yeah, sort of we turn this new leaf over as the curling season is done. Scott has been vaccinated. I will be vaccinated, hopefully, in the next couple days. And, yeah, things are starting to turn. We've seen it in the United States. Things Mm -hmm. are opening up. Uh, you know, there's still like people should still be safe uh, out there as as there's, you know, people are still dying from this. But uh, you're starting to see some some light here, as, as you say. So uh, very exciting stuff. Uh, congratulations. But before we can fully look towards the summer, let's do one last recap of some hot curling action that took place on a very hot weekend, at least here in the nation's capital. The World Mixed Doubles Curling Championship wrapped up yesterday over in Aberdeen, Scotland. Final World Championship of the season. And Scott, we got some new world champions. A, a new country has won a mixed doubles worlds. Yeah, pretty. Uh, how, how about Bruce Mowat, right? How, how about being him right now? Yeah, pretty pretty good couple months, I'd say. Yeah, it was uh, worth uh, it was worth it for him to uh, dust his <laughs> shoes off uh, and get out there again this year. I'll say, I'll say, boy. Uh, just sort of on, on fire the last, uh, well, whole season. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Mowat, uh, Scotland never won the mixed doubles before. I was a little surprised to, to hear that, that, I mean, it's not been around that long, but still you think maybe they would have snuck one in there, mm-hmm. but, uh, no, uh, full effort for the week. Uh, they were 
one of the best teams. We'll talk about Sweden, but uh, yeah, they put it all out there and came up big. Yeah, a very impressive performance all week long, as you say. And let's talk about this final a little bit. They played the Norwegian side, uh, who who get a really big win themselves uh, on, over Sweden in the semifinal. Bit of an unexpected win there, I think. And, and as you say, we'll talk about Sweden. But Scott, this game, and I'll admit I didn't watch it live. I went back and watched the the replay, which allowed me to go back and rewind a little bit and and study up mm. more than I probably would have in the real time. And I got to say, the key to this game, I think, is the fourth end where Norway, Kristen Skazlin, she has a double for a potential four. Basically an off-nose double where they're already sitting one. Norway is sitting one. They have a biter at the back, and then they have a fourth shot, which, sorry, with his fifth shot, and they have four shot over sort of two o'clock position just in the eight foot. And she has a run back double on stones that are about in the, the eight foot, 10 o'clock position and then sort of right behind it. And she over curls, gets it on the inside, rolls in, gets the two points. But to me, Scott, that's the turning point. Norway at this point in the game, it was tied. They had flipped the hammer by Mm -hmm. getting a three in the second end. Skazlian makes this shot. You're up four to, or excuse me, up seven to three at the halfway point of the game. It's tough sledding then for Scotland to come back. And and that was a huge miss. Yeah. And and you still got your power play too. So, Just, uh, I, I agree with you, Sean. In the real time, when I, I was watching this game live, and I thought, well, that's uh, if they don't win, that's the the turning point right there, because those free points on the board. Uh, Jennifer Dodds rolled a little too far with her last one and set up that uh, pretty. It was a pretty easy double, uh, all things considered. Uh, you know, she played it sort of on the safe side to roll in and get the two, but you're right. Uh, they make that shot there. I think. We're talking about them as world champions today. Yeah, uh, no, no question. Just yeah, it's, it's it's not inconceivable that Scotland can come back from a four point deficit, but uh, certainly a, a challenge. As you mentioned, with Norway having their power play still in their back pocket, and actually later in the game it, they use it in the sixth. Then Skazlin makes a beautiful shot on her last one to get the two. I think Scotland mm-hmm. played that end very well. Scotland gets a two in the fifth end, and then in the sixth end. Norway uses the power play. Scotland keeps it pretty open, pretty clear, basically concedes the two. And on Jennifer Dodds has a freeze on her last one, just comes up a little light and it doesn't curl enough. But Skazlin has to make a, a lightweight sort of hack weight shot to get to the nose of the one Dodds throws. And those are the type of shots that in the four person game, they're pretty much gimmies at this level. But mm-hmm. we saw all week and you saw it during the Canadian mixed doubles as well. And if you've watched any of the American mixed doubles, these aren't as easy when you don't have the sweepers and you have somebody who's throwing and trying to get up straight away or if you're or if the other person's there and you're calling everything from the hack it just increases the level of difficulty on shots that we're accustomed to seeing people make in the four person game and that was one there in the sixth end that you know, it's one that you could probably turn the ch- channel on in a Briar Scotty's mm-hmm. game like yeah of course they're going to make it but in the mixed doubles, it's not a gimme, and, and that was one that uh, very impressive for her, especially given how down I'm, I'm sure she was after missing the shot in four. Yeah, yeah, a, a really tough one there. You you mentioned in mixed doubles, Sean, the the difficulty of the shots they've got. You know, wh- when you're playing on your four person team and you put the broom down, 
you know that you've got sweepers that can hold it. And someone like Bruce Mowat, especially, right? He, he knows that if he dumps it a bit, okay, I got my sweepers, they can hold it. So in mixed doubles, a big challenge is putting the broom in the right spot, right? Like, do I take an extra, you know, maybe an inch, maybe a broom head? Is it like, how much is it going to change the path of the stone? Have I played there before? Lots of different variables. So you do generally see um, shooting percentages a lot lower, especially for the the first and fifth rock thrower. Yeah. Uh, it tends to be a lot lower because the last shot is either a four or a zero yeah. most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can sort of build up on that first shot, but then it can kind of go away on the last shot a lot of times. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Speaking of the last shot, let's go to that last shot of the game, eighth end. And Scotland, they use their power play in the seventh end, again, to great effect keep everything mm-hmm. spread out and Jennifer Dodds is a pretty easier shot on her last for a three. So we go into the eight then Scotland is up eight to seven and Norway has the hammer and just a mess in the forefoot. Like just mm-hmm. pretty much like picture what you think of a mixed doubles forefoot looks like typically that's what it was. And Skazlian has a long run back. Scott, did you think this was there for two before she threw it? I didn't think it was there for two. I thought she could get one. Okay. And my gosh, she almost did, right? It, yeah. Just the way that the rock spun out and it was spinning and spinning. And I was like, is it going to go too far? Oh, <laughs> just too far. Uh, really, really good effort. Um, yeah. Th- it was all she had after, like you say, there was a bit of a mess in there. Magnus wasn't able to uh, get his rocks in the right position to give them that that chance to to at least have a shot for one mm-hmm. um but my goodness what an effort i i i was like wow uh best you could do and she almost got a point out of it so yeah yeah, yeah. i i didn't think it was there for two either before she threw it after she threw it i thought maybe it could have been there for two <laughs> that uh it like <laughs> yeah. if she had hit it just an inch on the other side maybe it it goes around her stones and the one that rolls if it sticks would be the second point because the one that was behind the one she made contact with, if the angle is a little different coming back, maybe she can get that one to count, but mm-hmm. uh, just a tremendous effort there. And yeah, if you get a sharp stone and just gets that extra little twist in, we're going to an extra end. Yeah. I think I saw in the Canadian uh, semifinal match maybe, or, or the, uh, the qualifying game anyway, there was one that was spinning, spinning, and then it sort of spun back up. Yes. Uh, and became shot. And Carrie was like, what's going on? <laughs> like yeah. laughing about it. Uh, and they were kind of like, oh, boy, yeah, brother. Yeah. I think Brad came down and was like, oh, that's dirty. <laughs> or something, <laughs> yeah, like he yeah. said, something like that. And, and yeah, it was the semifinal because Bruce Matt was just standing on the boards laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, a good, good effort. Uh, great game by Scotland uh, to come back. You know, like you say, they had had hammer flipped on them in the in the beginning were very lucky to escape that fourth end unscathed managed to put everything together and put themselves in a good position to win uh coming home yeah so congratulations to scotland they get the hometown victory and norway with a silver medal solid performance for that team scott that was actually your winner pick i know i know i was so i was sitting there cheering for them and when that shot that last shot was just spinning. I was like, oh, <laughs> dang, dang. So close. 
yeah when when they had that shot for four i was like oh boy i'm gonna rub this into sean so much like my winner pick <sighs> damn darn damn uh so earlier in the day scott did you get up to watch this one in real time the bronze medal game between the canadians and the swedes uh can't say that i did sean can't say that i did <laughs> Yeah, this is a 5 a.m. Eastern tip. If you were in the West Coast, if you were in BC, maybe you could just stay up and watch it with a, a 2 a.m. tip, yeah. potentially. But yeah, I didn't watch this one in real time either. And Scott, if you got up at 5 to watch the first end, Sweden scored 4 and kind of <laughs> took a bit of the juice out of this one. Yeah, I, I saw. I watched the highlights when I woke up and it was kind of like, yeah, oh, well. There you go. Uh, This Swedish team, Sean, they went through the round robin perfect. Yeah. Dropped their semifinal to Norway, which was a a bit of a surprise. But like you and I know that this Norway team is really, really good. Um, No shame in in dropping a game to them at all. But uh, they they come back. You can post that four in the first end and, and cruise after that, I would say, to their bronze medal. I was looking at the percentages the player percentages yeah and so you know mixed doubles the the percentages are usually a bit lower oscar erickson shot 87.8 in the round robin uh-huh and almita deval 87.6 wow. these two were on fire yeah. this is never seen the next highest uh female player which is how they've sorted it, male and female, even yeah. though they should sort it last stone anyway. Yeah. Was was 80.7%. She wow. outcurled her outcurled Jennifer Dodds by seven percent. Wow. That's, that's that's just insane. Yeah, that's pretty bonkos. Just uh and, and like we said about that first and fifth rock thrower, you know, it's it's a lot of fours or zeros. So right. she was obviously putting up quite a bit of fours. Yeah. 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 Uh, just wow. <laughs> Very, very impressive stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no question about it from the Swedish team. But if you, Scott, if you look at some of the peripheral numbers around the Swedes and the Norwegians, not much to choose from all in, I have to say. If you look at it, the, the two teams, Norway played one extra game, but Norway was plus mm-hmm. 38 scoring differential, Sweden plus 43 scoring differential. The last known efficiency, Sweden was at 63%, Norway at 62%. Power play efficiency, Norway was better at 89% to 71% for the Swedes. Now, that is partly because there were occasions where the Swedes were using the power play defensively. So yeah. that is in part why that efficiency is going to be just a hair lower. But 71% is still very, very good on a power play efficiency. So all in, you're, you're not looking at too much between the two teams when you're looking at some of those numbers outside of the shooting percentages. And those two teams really dominated if you're looking at the scoring numbers over the course of the week yeah they've got uh, the world curling federation has a power play analysis on their site as well so sweden on average per power play scored 2.6 points per power play it's pretty good anything over two is really 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 good yeah uh norway's was two there was one team in between those two, Sean. Can you guess what team that was? Well, I know who it is, and it's not who I would have guessed if I was going in without knowing. I can tell you that. So who would you have guessed? <laughs> I would have thought either the Scots or the Canadians. Right. And uh, it's the Czech Republic, yeah. uh, 2.2 points per power play. Pretty 
pretty uh pretty good stuff for them yeah uh, no no question about it and I, I think it's interesting too that over the course of the week you're seeing 1.2 points scored per power play and mm-hmm. so that is a little bit more than what you'd expect without a power play so it does increase yeah. your scoring and even when you're using it defensively which in a lot of cases teams do late in games still a, a very effective tool for sure for sure and i think if we take a look at power play analysis the teams that score more on the power play tend to finish higher in the standings this week's numbers here you know a few anomalies to that but uh overall it's it's a pretty good harbinger for success yeah the top four in this stat made the playoffs and you know scotland was tied for fifth in the stat yeah so you know you're looking at a pretty good correlation there Uh, If you're not taking advantage of those, you're not going to be doing very well over the course of the week. Scott, let's now turn our attention to the semi or excuse me, the qualifying teams that uh, made the Olympics, didn't make it out of that qualification round. One of those teams is Switzerland, which was my pick to win. Jenny Perret and Martin Rios. Scott, there was a, a game during the round robin and i can't remember who they were playing against but rona and the other guy whose name i i always forget xander xander they were just laying into them <laughs> like <laughs> in such a polite way though where now i've watched a few events with these teams or with this team in, in the field they are mm-hmm. not they're not jill officer up laughing joking all the time that's not their mo and no. Rona was just like, oh, you got to be happy. You just made a shot. You're allowed to smile. Like, <laughs> like they, they were so into the body language and the negative body language of these two. I thought it was so funny that they just kept harping on it over and over and over again. Even though this team has had such great success playing with that style, that's their personality and that's who they mm-hmm. are. And, and you can't really be critical of that, I don't think, if you're just being who you are out there on the ice. But it was so much that... I tweeted something like, why are we surprised? One of their sponsors is Statler. Um, <laughs> you know, it's spelled different than the Muppets character, but I stand by the joke. Like, if, if you're going to put that on your leg, why are we uh, Why are we going to be surprised that you're a little cranky? But Scott, mm-hmm. I, I really like this team. Tough loss in an extra end to Canada in that qualification game. A, a game that really, I mean, they were up 5-1 halfway through, and I think they would tell you it's a game they should win. Now, Mm -hmm. I guess turnabout is fair play. They did that to Canada in 2018, coming back late in the game, in a game that Canada should have won. So now I guess we're all even out between Canadian teams and the Swiss in this event. But I think for them, mission accomplished. Sure, they would have liked a a spot on the podium, but this will be the team going to Beijing. And there are definitely medal contenders as we look forward to next February. Yeah, you would imagine that they're going to be the team uh, a rougher week than I would have thought for them, right? They finished five and four in the nine team uh, pool play and advanced over the United States based on their head to head win against them. But uh, I believe they lost to some teams that uh, I, I wouldn't have imagined them losing to. Yeah. If you uh, look at the competition matrix, which is always one of the, the great things that the World Curling Federation has, yeah, they lost to China, they lost to Japan. 
Um, so those would be the two mm-hmm. that you would, would stand out. They also lost to the Norwegians and the Swedes. So no harm in those two. But China and Japan did f- finish further down the table. So a, a bit surprising there. Yeah, for sure. So I agree with you. This will likely be the team from Switzerland going to the Olympics. Uh, good job by them clinching their spot. But I think if you ask them, was this week a success for you? They will say no, it wasn't. Okay. On the other side, though, the other team that lost in the qualification game is Italy. No question it's a success for them. For mm-hmm. Constantini and Amos Mosaner, they book their spot, or Italy's spot at least, into the Olympics. Great week for them to get that spot down. And now Italy will be part of the curling competition and those two individuals will also be striving to get their four-person teams in. But it's, I think it's good to have Italy there. I think so, yeah. I, they're sort of this curling country that has been there the whole time with like some ups and downs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Joel Retornez beats Canada in the Olympics in Italy. Uh, Italy was obviously going to be in the Olympics as the host country. Then, you know, a few years, they've been in more in World Bs not really making uh, appearances on the world stage and then coming back up uh, a bit more lately with uh, Joel Returnez still and, and Amos Mosaner, as you said. So it's very, very good for them to have assured their, themselves a place in the Olympics for a country that's not, you know, a perennial threat to the podium at Euros or at Worlds. Uh, it'll be, you know, good for the the Italian curling program in general to have some of that uh, Olympic exposure. Yeah, uh, no, no question about it. Uh, so, so congratulations to them. And then the final spot of the Olympic qualification, that was a game that was played between the Czechs and the Americans for seventh place. It was played opposite the Canada-Scotland semifinal. I feel a little bad for our American friends and our Czech friends who couldn't watch this live. Because there was mm-hmm. only one crew doing the broadcast, they showed the semifinal, which I think is the correct decision to make. You would just yeah. would have liked, though, if there could have been a second crew there to show this qualification game. But it is what it is. And the Czechs come through, get that win, a specialist team beating Joe Polo and Tabitha Peterson for that seven spot, you could hear it on the broadcast when the game was over. They just erupted in celebration. Really cool, uh, overcome mm-hmm. with emotion for for them, for a team that has uh, played together a long time. They're married, I believe. And to come out of this in the Olympic spot uh, from a country that doesn't really produce a lot of Olympians on the winter side. Like, I, I don't think of the Czechs as a powerhouse country in any sport in particular. I mean, they, they do well at hockey, but mm-hmm. overall, I, I can't think of a sport where you think, oh, like the Czechs, like that's their sport, right? You know, you think, oh, like long track speed skating, Netherlands, boom, done, right? Like right. You, you just don't have that as far as I know with the Czechs. So really cool to see it. And for them, just getting to go to the Olympics, if there is the traditional opening ceremony, walking into the stadium, like really, really cool for them, for a team that has grinded for a long time as specialist in this discipline. Yeah. So Sean, you're telling me that your reaction to the Czechs is kind of like Monty Burns to the Germans. Like, Ooh, the Czechs are coming. I'm so scared. <laughs> oh, the Czechs. Uh, 
but but obviously this is a, a really big deal for them. The reaction was my favorite part. I think of the whole week was their reaction on winning. And it's a, a bit of a shame in this game and in the the game that Sweden lost the semifinal. It was a miss by the last stone thrower and it was a heavy miss. Mm. Right. So the the check uh, the checks are like sweeping the rock behind the T line. And as soon as it goes, he he's like screaming, like yeah, <laughs> just uh, you know, hulking out, uh, which is a shame that it has to come because somebody else made a mistake. That, yeah, it, right. It, you always want to win on a pause, like win on your shot, yeah, rather than win on a miss for sure. But when it comes to getting into the Olympics, I think uh, <laughs> they'll take it either way. Yeah, do your thing <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Very good week for the the Czechs. Yeah, and they got off to a great start in that game too, right? Up, getting yeah. the three in the first end, and then stealing two in the second. Stealing end. two, so you get that five nothing lead. And yes, it, it's unfortunate that it was a miss in a tie game too. Uh, you know, the mm-hmm. Americans came back to tie it, but uh, you know, full fair to the Czechs. Congratulations to them. And Scott, just to follow up, so that I don't get any angry emails from our friends in the Czech Republic. All time here. I'm seeing mm-hmm. 31 medals in the Winter Olympic Games for the Czech Republic. Take a guess at what the number one sport is for them. And I'll say it's six medals in one sport, three gold. Six medals in one sport. Three gold, mm-hmm. one silver, two bronze all time. Uh, luge. No, it is speed skating. So it's not, not just the Dutch after all. Uh, not just the Dutch. Not just the Dutch. Oh, excuse me. Uh, no, I'm wrong. It's nine uh, this isn't organized by total, excuse me. Oh, it's organized by gold medals. So the most gold medals in speed skating at three, most total medals cross-country skiing at nine, but only one mm-hmm. of those was a gold and two in ice hockey. So uh, there you go. 14 medals at the 2018 Olympics. So mm, not bad. Yeah, more than I would have guessed for the Czech Republic. So my apologies to the Czech Republic and the 94 athletes who competed in 2018 out of that country so uh well there you go now there's going to be 94 plus two 94 plus two yeah i would assume that like 40 to 50 of those were the hockey teams if i were to guess but of those 94 but anyway let's move on to the other side of things scott so the americans miss the olympic qualification by losing that game a couple other teams that are going to be disappointed. I think everyone who didn't get the Olympic spots are going to be disappointed. Certainly Germany, RCF, you have Korea, Japan also out. So as it sits right now, China is the only pack team in the Olympic Games that has qualified for the mixed doubles. And that last chance qualifier in which only two spots are going to be available Somebody Mm -hmm. really good is going to miss, whether it's the Russians, the Americans, the Japanese, or if you want to include Korea in that group of four, you could. Hungary has won two world championships. That team won two world championships. They struggled to a three and six record this week. The Spanish team, I'm not entirely sure what happened with them, but they went six and one last time there was an event of uh, of the mixed doubles. They're silver medalists at the mixed, the four-person mixed event Mm. so that's a good team so somebody really good's gonna miss here at that last chance qualifier and i think if you're any of those teams looking around you're not feeling very good right now having to go into that event 
No, it's it's going to be tough. And like New Zealand had a good week here this week. Uh, Team Australia is pretty good. Uh, the others, as you mentioned, it's it's going to be a hard fought uh, tournament. That last chance qualifier uh, for, like you say, only two spots left in the Olympics up for grabs. So uh, it's going to be a bit of a fight. But uh, I'm I'm excited to watch it. To be honest, there's going to be a lot of good teams there. Yeah, it's it's going to be a, a, a knock them out, drag them out event sort of thing, and and we'll see who ends up going for each of these countries. I would say, if you're looking around, certainly the Hungarian team would be set, but the American team, it'll be interesting to see how that mm-hmm. works out, or if they'll do the trials, see who goes, or whoever wins that nationals, which is ongoing as we speak. If they're going to go, same thing on the Russian side. So just sort of keep tabs over the summer as countries end up deciding who their representatives are going to be for this event. I, I do feel a little bad for Yuta on the Japanese side coming up short in both of his events that he played in. And, and I think going into the, the season, I would have expected Japan to qualify in something to, to miss it. All three disciplines in, in this first pass is somewhat stunning to me. Yeah. That's pretty, uh, pretty interesting, like pretty crazy to think that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So the, um, uh, I'm just looking at the mixed doubles qualification. Uh, the sorry, I thought I had it. And, okay, it's gonna be uh, a, it's it gonna wrong. be a mess. It's a, anyone who is here who didn't qualify can go. Even the teams that were relegated, we can talk. We'll talk about the relegation in a second. Plus, they'll have an open event at some point in the fall where everybody else in the world who wants to can sign up. Any other member association can sign up for it. And then three teams will be decided out of that event to go to the last chance qualifier. So I would expect most of these countries to put in to that last chance qualifier. Maybe one or two don't. Maybe. And then we'll see how many teams go to that pre-last chance qualifier. I I don't think it'll be as many as you would have seen at a normal world championship. There will be countries that just either don't want to put up the the money don't want to support it for whatever reason so i would think we're probably looking at somewhere like i'd be stunned if you get more than 15 teams i would think we're in the five to ten range for that event to get to the last chance qualifier would be my guess and then here then from there we're looking at a you know 15 ish or no 15 team field if everybody here shows up yeah yeah uh hmm. I don't know what else to say to that. Okay, you have no thoughts. We'll see. You have no thoughts we'll on the, uh, that. Like, all right. The other part of this event is the relegation. So four teams will have to earn their way back to the mixed doubles world championship next year. Those four teams are Finland, Korea, Estonia, and Spain. Finishing at the bottom of the table, there were relegation games that were played on Saturday. Those four teams end up losing out. Hungary gets through on the on the last stone draw challenge, saving themselves out of that spot. So as we look at it, Scott, I'm a little surprised that Korea's in that mix. I'm a little also surprised Spain's in that mix, uh, to be perfectly honest. But for mm-hmm. the Finns and the Estonians, you know, maybe not too much of a surprise there. And it'll be interesting to see who comes out of that qualifying group for next year. Yeah, good job. I want to say good job by by England, uh, qualifying, staying up. 
uh, into the World A's. Uh, Hungary, like you said, on the strength of draw shot challenge, they still had to play in one of those games, I think, against Finland. Uh, they were able to to win and stay up in the main event. Uh, and I think, Sean, what we're seeing is that in the past years where they've there have been 48 teams and you've had, uh, you know, eight team uh, pools. So you, these teams have been able to, like, get a lot of wins against much lower ranked teams. Sure. So, you know, you see Spain with a six and one record. Well, you know, maybe there was three teams in the pool that were actually quite good and they managed to go one and one against those teams and then really beat the beat up on the teams further down in the rankings. But uh, I think it's good to have these kind of countries here overall. I enjoyed watching this week. I enjoyed seeing the new faces, uh, hearing the new accents, uh, all that stuff. Like it, it was fun, really fun week. It was. Yeah. And I do think we're going to have to, with this format, start to readjust some of our expectations I think take a look at that Hungarian team, 2013, 2015 world champions at Knicks doubles. I do wonder if they're in kind of the tuck range Mm -hmm. of they're good and they beat me. No question about it. But as the discipline of mixed doubles started to get more attention, more funding and more players started to migrate to it is a team like that kind of left behind. And those world championships are just in a very different caliber of what we're seeing today. And therefore, that success potentially will not be replicated by them moving forward. Yeah, that's a very fair question to answer or to ask. And I I believe we have seen the answer that, you know, there's more money being put into mixed doubles now uh, by some of the bigger associations. We've seen this bear out the last few years, right, with uh, Scotland winning, Sweden, Canada, uh, the last three champions of this uh, this event, which we didn't see, you know, yeah. in the 10 years before. So, yeah, I think we are looking at a bit more of a professionalization of mixed doubles. Yeah, and uh, which is unfortunate in a way, I think, because the specialist in the Hungarian side certainly are specialists. Uh, not a great week for the specialists. If you look at the medal standings, no. the, the semifinals, not specialists who are in that. So... It's it's top level four person players who are coming in, so it, it does beg questions about what the future of this discipline is. If it, is it just sort of the secondary landing spot for the four person players, or mm-hmm. will specialists and specialization go forward? Who knows? This is only one week; it's one event, but not a great week for those who are supporters of a specialist form of mixed doubles. And that'll do it for the twenty twenty one curling season, Scott been a ride it's been a ride buddy wow what a what a magical ride we've had (laughs) you know uh reflecting back on these last three months just a bit of a curling overload yeah but you know it's like if you don't eat for a long time your stomach shrinks and then you eat a lot and you feel oh boy maybe that was too much (laughs) but uh i don't know it was good while it was here I want to say thanks. I know we said thanks last time, but thanks to everybody who helped make it happen. Uh, It was definitely something for all of us to rally around, you know, in the depths of winter while the streets were icy and and cold and you didn't want to go outside. At least we had curling to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm going to miss it for the summer. I always do. And then when it comes back in the fall, hopefully in the fall, uh, we'll be getting right back into 
watching the games, talking about the players, dissecting decisions, what we do best, right? Well, what we do. <laughs> so, sure. Yeah. So that will do it for our discussions of 2021 games. And as Scott said, yeah, thanks to everyone out there for listening, joining on the previews, on the recaps, the broom stacking during the various bubble events. Uh, I had a lot of fun over the last three months going through the season. And, uh, you know, we had some internal goals for the show. I think we met them all, Scott, at least the ones that I paid attention to. Maybe, maybe we missed some ones that I stopped paying attention to. I don't know. I think so. I think we've, we've had a, a good season. Uh, it's been great to engage with everybody. Uh, and we're going to keep talking about tangentially curling, tangentially related topics, right? Yes, we will. So we are making the transition to the summer schedule as we move forward. It's actually going to start tomorrow for you. So keep an eye out for new episodes. They will be dropping on Tuesdays over the course of of the summer. We have some more wrap up to do on the season, some more looking back on the season as a whole, as opposed to individual events to do. And then we'll make that transition as we get into more general events. And don't worry, everyone, we are going to do another ad breakdown episode. You were subjected to these for the last three months. Now it's our time for revenge on the ads. <laughs> so we'll, yes. be, we'll be doing that. We got a whole list of other ideas, uh, including a lot of storytelling from folks across the country who, who we've met. And uh, I'm really excited about some of the ideas we had. So do subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Do the likes, ratings, comments. Let other people know that we're going to keep it going over the course of the summer with a lot of fun, evergreen ideas out there. And of course, as we're putting together this list, let us know what you want to hear whether through Twitter, Instagram, at Game of Stones Pod, or through the email, as I said, Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with Scott at Scott Lakes TV, and I am at the Sean Graham, or head on over to GameofStonesPod.com. You can get in touch with us through the website. You can also find all the past episodes and a couple blog posts. I did do a whole list of our curling bubble superlatives, plus all the winners, and there's a lot of videos up there to show you this, the events of that we're talking about in case you missed them. So a lot of the best shots, mm-hmm. some of the best moments. I did embed the videos from YouTube. Shout out to Curling Clips for the stuff that Curling Canada refused to post. So <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks to that account for that one. So check that out over on the website. And of course, the merch. It's t-shirt season. So get a t-shirt and all proceeds from all of the merch uh, t-shirts is going to food banks, Canada, and the more wintry merch is going to our friends over at the Sandra Schmerler foundation. And we are matching all proceeds. So check it on out under the merch tab. So that will do it for the 2021 season. Scott, now you can go celebrate queen Victoria. Ooh. Great. Uh, I'll be having a private ceremony. Of course. (laughs) So hope everyone across the country had a great long weekend. Hope everyone out there around the world just had a wonderful weekend. Stay safe. We'll be back with you as we make the transition to the summer. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final...